My name is Linda Nardelli. I'm a spiritual counselor and the author of Mystical Intimacy, a book on embodied mysticism. As I contemplate the key message of renewal in this chapter 11 of my book, I'm particularly aware of spiritual renewal, the art of, of retrieving the lost aspects of our soul. Renewal is a, is a journey back to our true natures that speaks of the need for restoration and healing, for learning how to reparent ourselves, for reframing our perception of reality and, and coming home to our intrinsic value. The key word here is journey. Renewal is not a destination. It's not something that we arrive at. It's a way of life. It's a commitment to our physical and our psychological health and our well-being. It's not a goal. It's a constant rededication of caring for what we need to feel whole and nourished, content, joyful, and purposeful. But how? How do we care for our needs, such as the need for rest and play and affection and and validation, and as well as balance, when we're so conditioned to believe that we're not deserving or good enough? And what if we hold the belief that we are worthy enough, and yet our needs are still not met? Why would that be? Most likely because there is an underlying belief that others aren't worthy of our trust, or that receiving what we need, well, it requires too high of a sacrifice, Maybe it's a belief that we have to just be too vulnerable, which we may have learned to hide. And, well, let's face it, it does take vulnerability to fulfill our longing. It does take vulnerability for our needs to be met because we do need to be open to receiving. But if we've learned to hide our vulnerability, how are we supposed to be fulfilled? Many of my clients, they first come to see me with a judgment that there is something gravely wrong with them. And I've spoken about this in this podcast. If they're not critical towards themselves, then they project judgments onto others. Their spouse, manager, parent, child, friend. Not that long ago, I worked with a client who mentioned she was so afraid. She was so afraid of her in-laws and their judgments of her. And as we explored what came about was a lot of her judgments of them. And that keeps us separate. When we perceive reality through the lens of good and bad, evaluating rather than feeling our way through life, then we're caught in the grip of judging ourselves, being protected against other people's judgments and judging them, because that's the way we protect ourselves. What what are judgments other than self-protection? And in this way, we're only allowed to feel good feelings. When we're in judgment, when we're evaluating reality, we're only allowed to have good emotions or quote-unquote good. What we've been taught and told is good, which is, you know, being happy, enthusiastic, um, being cheerful, making people laugh, as long as we're not angry, depressed, sorrowful, or afraid, as long as we make everybody else comfortable. Somehow we've been trained that that's who we're supposed to be. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from my clients about having been scolded as children for being for being afraid, for being hurt or upset. I mean, I grew up that way. I mean, some were also reprimanded for, for being overexcited. So you have the extreme opposite, like too much joy is also considered not good. Can't be too excited. Again, we have to make other people comfortable. 
But how can our sense of purpose and self-expression and vitality be resourced if our emotions are, are stunted, if they're pushed away, if they're oppressed? But really, how can you retrieve fragmented parts of you, the, the wounded child, the overwhelming sense of responsibility, guilt, shame, when your feelings are buried? And I say to people, all of us needs to be welcome. I, I, I have this image in my mind of opening the door and letting everything in. I've said this before. You know, when we let in the gremlins, when we let in aspects of ourselves that we've been not given permission to feel, when we let all that in, we also let in spirit. Now, when we avoid our emotions, what we're essentially doing is closing off the door to our feelings and the feelings of others, which is inevitably closes off our spirit and theirs. Yeah, this client I mentioned, um, when, you know, struggling with her in-laws, initially in, in session with me, she insisted that she didn't want to feel her feelings. She didn't want to feel her emotions, she said to me. She came to me for healing. But her intent was that I would make her feelings, her pain, her past trauma go away. She said, I don't want to relive the past. So her idea of feeling meant reliving the trauma. And so she came to me expecting that my talented channeling and healing abilities would shift her and that she wouldn't have to, to feel. She wouldn't have to do anything. And again, especially not relive the past. And you know, I agree. I agree with not having to relive the past trauma. However, avoiding past feelings does not free us from the past. It perpetuates the unresolved hurts, the fear, and the pain. Whatever we resist persists. Yeah, I know, I, I hate that saying to you, but here I just said it because, well, it's true. Whatever we resist just keeps gnawing at us and trying to get our attention because it's a need, an unmet need. Oh. Hurt just needs to be loved. Fear needs to be loved. So avoiding the past doesn't gift that part of us the love that was needed then. So it's not about reliving the past so much as giving the past something that was needed then. It's highly important that we unearth core wounding so that we can bring in solace, so that we could provide the inner child with needed care and nurturing. Otherwise, we build our life structures, our sense of selves, family work, friendships on the foundation of the past trauma and the pain. If we don't know what keeps tripping us up the pain, what keeps triggering us, we just relive it. So here's this person that was trying to avoid her, her past, but meanwhile reliving it with her in-laws. Reliving the feeling of being not seen, not valued, criticized, shamed, and trying to avoid that feeling by avoiding them and by in, in turn judging them. And I look back at that session and I just felt so much compassion for her, for her vulnerability. Here she was being so transparent with her concerns or fears with me. Because as much as she was convinced that she had to not feel her emotion, she was well equally willing to share share that she didn't want to feel her emotions. She was willing to let me in on her belief that emotions are bad. And she was particularly challenged by the feeling of resentment towards, towards others. 
feelings that were thwarted by her judgments and her mental focus on how to fix the perceived issue. That's the, that's the thing, you know, when we get caught up in judgments, when we get caught up in avoidance, well, then we also get caught up in the mind's need to fix, need to resolve, need to strategize. Okay? It keeps us locked in the conditioning and not in what's possible. We can't escape our feelings, just like we can't escape the past. It exists here and now. All time it exists now. We can't just ignore it. No, and, and you know, it's no matter how many of us spiritual types try to live in the now, any unresolved emotions will prevent us from being fully present until we make peace with those emotions. Raw feelings, raw emotions will persist until we listen and cease making them wrong, until we validate the underlying need that the feeling represents. And what need may that be? The need to be accepted, the need to be understood, heard, seen, appreciated, considered. Someone once told me of, a, of an incident that occurred when she was about five. She told me that she was frightened by a snake in the garden and that had startled her. And she remembers how quick her dad asserted just how stupid she was. He was so mad at her for being afraid. Don't be stupid, he said to her. Don't be afraid of a harmless snake. He just snapped at her. And she remembers being not just frightened about the snake, but frightened of her dad. This person that shared the story of being afraid of the snake, she had come to understand where her dad was coming from. It was lovely, her compassion for him. She said, you know, he was a military guy. And, of course, he would have had high standards for bravery. She, all, she also got, she also understood just how painful that that had been for her, how dismissed she had felt. What she hadn't considered is reframing the incident and cultivating the feeling of what it would have been like had her father knelt down beside him and maybe wrapped his arm around her and comforted her fear. Would she still be afraid of snakes? Would she be so afraid of people's dismissive, critical anger? Imagine. And just think back of something that occurred for you in your childhood. Imagine reframing that. What would have been like had your caregiver shown care? I just I find that something incredible happens when we can go back in time. We can re-script the past and, and give our childhood a new picture. And it inevitably informs the present. It actually helps us live in the now consciously aware of our very present and everlasting need for comfort and reassurance. I remember my mother wasn't so much her anger. I don't remember her being angry. I remember her being dismissive and absent and neglectful, and I remember her being not there, gone, partying. And when she was home, she was drunk. And I remember at one point reframing an incident that occurred, a terrible, terrible incident that occurred. And I, it was a therapist, one of my first, my first therapist, the first workshop group environment, group process that I had done. And we reframed it all. And in the reframing, she just soothed me. There was a member of the group, one of the other participants that uh, role played and became her. And 
soothed me in a way that I hadn't been soothed as a child. We, we need that. Feelings, they, they need to be validated. Else they go underground and they fester and they wreak havoc in our lives. Okay? Felt senses, emotions, uninquired thoughts and beliefs need to be acknowledged to be released. There's absolutely no healer in the world that can do that work for us. That's not the healer's job. The healer brings awareness and compassion to the area of, our, of ourselves that need healing. The healer makes space so that the underlying needs can be revealed. Without feelings, there is no soul connection, no soul retrieval, no renewal. When we suppress our feelings, how can our needs be met? When we avoid, project blame, and view life through the lens of right and wrong, how can our inner innocence ever feel safe enough to heal into awakened consciousness? A friend once said to me, a tree doesn't grow from the sky down. It grows ring upon ring from the earth up. I know this may seem blatantly obvious, but I do believe that many of us forget this. We expect God to hand over what we want and need without growing towards it, without taking the time to cultivate an intimate relationship with ourselves and with life. We expect the fruition of our needs without ever learning how to ask for what we need, without ever advocating for our value, without ever unlearning the survival mechanisms that keep us separate and protected from life. We do grow ring upon ring from the earth up. Mass India has said they can help us only to the point that we pick ourselves up. They can't pick our, us up for us. When we reach out, they're there. When we step up, they're there. We grow ring upon ring from the earth up. We have to start at the root of our core wound. We have to start there, at the root of us, at the core wound so that we can welcome all our feelings and our deeper longings and needs, so we can welcome who we are. In this way, we reject nothing. Instead, we honor the divine from our roots into infinity. Ultimately, ultimately, I am I'm referring to the journey back to the self, the whole self, the journey of spiritual renewal. Mass India says that spiritual renewal is an in-depth surrender into who we truly are and the natural evolution of unfolding the old into the new cycle of creation. Creation is engaging with life, seducing life with utmost curiosity and acceptance. In this way, we open the door and receive every thought, shame, pain, discomfort, and joy, and wisdom therein contained. Yeah. It's about seducing life. And when we feel pain, we get close up to it. When we feel somebody else's pain, we get close up to that too. Now, renewal is not about harnessing our feelings. It's not about pulling away. And it's not about defining our purpose or life direction. It's not about identifying with who we think we're supposed to be. Instead, renewal is about trusting the unfolding journey, opening, discovering, feeling, and sensing more. Hey, that's what mystical intimacy is all about. That's what my book is about. That's what 
embodied mysticism is. Feeling and sensing more, 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 and more. What is important to remember here is that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be tough and unaffected. We don't have to have our shit together, as the saying goes. Hey? I know so many people, that's how they live. I have a family member, that's it. Her response to anything I say to her is, she's strong, she's had to be strong all her life. She's a fighter. There is nothing that comes out of her mouth that isn't aggression, that isn't rejection, or that isn't a criticism, or a self-defense. And that doesn't work. We don't have to be so unaffected. We are affected. We are sensory. Sensing, sensory, deeply evocative beings. Mary Oliver in her poem, Wild Geese, she says this so beautifully. She says, we don't have to be good or cross the desert on our knees repenting. But we also don't have to go to war. Eh? She says, since it doesn't matter, no matter our despair, the world keeps going on. I love the line in her poem, you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. If we're fighting with reality, we're not letting the soft animal of our body love what it loves. Okay? And if we're defended against or protected against reality, we're not letting the soft animal of our body love what it loves. But how? How can we love what the body loves if we are suppressing our feelings? When we let our body love what it loves, we give fully to life. We give who we are, our trust, our willingness. We, we don't give what is expected of us, and we don't treat others with a high expectation of how they're supposed to measure up to our ideal of who they're supposed to be. When we let our body love what it loves, we break free of of constricting ideas. We stop hiding away from our feelings and our needs. Not by overcoming them, but by embracing who we are. That's renewal. Retrieving abandoned parts of us. Ultimately, renewal transforms us beyond our understanding, beyond our ideas of who we think we should be, and how others show up in our lives. Renewal, it becomes a magical force that expands our consciousness into into new states of creation and belonging. As Oliver suggests in the last lines of her poem, whoever you are, whoever you are, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things, wherever you are. The world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you excitedly, announcing your place in the family of things. That is the gift of renewal. It's our place in the relationship between spirit and matter, the place where our imagination, intention, and focus is powered by the guidance of our soul. 
as a highly sensitive empath, my soul, my soul speaks to me in the depths of emotions and felt senses, which I process through writing and especially through poetry and art. The poem I share in this chapter was written after my return from Vietnam, and I wrote it as, as a wedding gift for, for some friends. I understand how powerful the rites of passages are, how meaningful rituals and vows are. This poem in particular represents how um, long-term relationships go through many passages, many stages of renewal that require so much faith and willingness. Weather storms never cease to amaze me. Lightning strikes on the ground, renews itself. Life spawns the birthing of each day, a day to forgive and unite the blessings of true love. I will not stand in the shadows of yesterday, but instead bear witness to each moment's newness and the gift that is shared in devotion. I give you this blessing, I give you this blessing, the blessing of trust and the great act of commitment that trust demands. May this blessing devour any fears that threaten to break you while you embrace a life ready to be lived fully, lived fully and shared and enjoyed peacefully. Let that be the strength that endures and the faith that knows the meaning of love. Weather storms. Weather storms never cease to amaze me. Lightning strikes and the ground renews itself. Life spawns the birthing of each day, a day to forgive and unite the blessings of true love, true love. Spiritual renewal does not exist in old frameworks, and it has no destiny. It can't ever be the desired outcome, nor is it something new. It is actually a process of making you like the lightning that strikes the ground. It is the current of our desire propelling us forward. That's seduction. Seducing life is letting desire move us. It becomes an activation of energy that merges intention with reality and which manifests our purpose. As I contemplate the significance of this creative force, I see, I see that spiritual renewal is a state of grace that, that yearns to move freely in all areas of our lives. Ultimately, it's a way of being that is, uh, that is um, not just one expression, but many, such as feeling sad and equally happy. It's really about letting ourselves just be multifaceted. Essentially, there is no difference between sorrow or delight. They, they, go, they coexist. Whether we experience pain or lightness of being, both expressions are human experiences that serve a greater whole. This is a duality, the paradox of our human experience. Now, on the one hand, we naturally long for connection, for purpose, for beauty and love. And, and on the other hand, we, we have a built-in drive to survive that creates separation, keeps us separate, keeps us guarded, defended. How? How do we cultivate a deeply healing and loving relationship with ourselves and others? 
when our longing for connection threatens our need for safety? How do we remain true to ourselves, to our soul essence? We stop. We stop falling into the trap of perceiving reality as right or wrong. We cease trying to choose one direction, one favorable feeling over the other. We let go of the belief that happiness is good and grief is bad. It's paramount that we slow down to feel. It's paramount that we slow down to feel, to tune in, to to be curious, to allow, welcome everything and, and become our best friend that just loves us for who we are, as we are. We stop projecting that onto others, expecting them to love us unconditionally while we in turn continue to be critical towards ourselves. I mean, I see this so much of the time. This pining, pining for love. People struggling with the ways their needs are not being met. And meanwhile, they be so critical towards themselves. We only stay true to ourselves, really true to ourselves, by leaning into and embracing both the longing for connection and the pain, the fear. We knew We reclaim fragmented parts of us, our soul, by leaning into, by embracing both our need to connect and our drive to survive. It's being open to feeling uncomfortable emotions that puts us in a position to also feel deeper love and connection. Okay? When we no longer identify with either suffering or joy, we cease evaluating one as better or worse than the other. Instead, we welcome our whole expression, which, well, it awakens us to the deep love that transforms distress and physical pain into a profound sense of belonging. No longer rejected for how we really feel, we begin to feel safe and at home in our experience. We begin to have less need to protect, to judge ourselves and others because we're letting ourselves be whole and multiplicit. And, you know, there is intrinsic value in both our dualities, in this longing to connect and our drive to survive. These coexist for a reason. When we cease discriminating against the bad feelings, we we receive the guidance that those feelings are trying to communicate to us. This guidance may be helping us set boundaries by bringing up a discomfort when our natural limits are being overridden. Our longing for connection, our our innocent capacity to trust others may be deepening our compassion and and empathy and, and helping us cultivate intimacy. By no longer discriminating between good and bad, we actively surrender to the multitude of experiences that inform us and serve us all the time. And these serve our renewal, which allows us to receive the guidance of spirit. Our spirit and human consciousness are meant to be partners. That's what mystical intimacy is all about. Embodied mysticism. Think of it. Mysticism meaning spirit. Embodiment meaning our human experience. Our intrinsic duality, our innocence, and our doubt our trust, and our fears are meant to coexist in mutually sustaining ways. Our ego mind is designed to protect us, and the soul in turn serves to expand our perception of reality. 
and open us to deeper and truer expressions of love. I'm reminded of nature when I think of this, when I think of the intrinsic relation between polarities, such as with the seasons, the earth's natural ecosystems, the the way all elements within nature serves a greater purpose of, of renewal within the wheel of life, death, and life. It keeps turning over and over again. I would like to read a passage from this chapter about honoring the natural cycles of growth of nature. Trees. Trees go to sleep in winter. is crucial for their renewal. They rest in the cold to protect from freezing and to save energy while there is limited access to nourishment. They, they slumber in dormancy until the resurrection of spring. We too, we too can save energy like this until the next stage in our life presents itself. As with the seasons, there are a number of stages of creation from life, death, and renewal, such as conception, embracing desires, and then excitement and focus, and completion. Retreating to observe the flow of our life is a wintering stage that is crucial for our renewal. We need to go within to become dormant, restful, and quiet. This gives us the energy we need to resurrect the next stage of activity. Personal insight and realization, and later the completion, the fruition, or ripening of our longings and endeavors. Each stage is intrinsically connected to the whole journey, supporting us in the present. It is essential that we deepen our responsiveness to the natural timing of these renewal stages so so that we can open our hearts to the kaleidoscope of God's love and restore every cell in our body with life-affirming presence. This is why it's so important to embrace our feelings, to let them flow through us, inform us, serve us, free us. We honor our nature, our humanness, our embodied divinity, by no longer rejecting our personal experience. I channeled a, a message from Gaia in this chapter um, for the purpose of deepening my understanding of, well, what renewal means. I wanted to tap into what it means from a nature perspective and how we as human beings can honor the natural stages of our renewal. Here is a message from Gaia. She says, The seasons are not separate from each other as it appears to human perception. Seasons are each part of a collective consciousness that fuels evolution from one form of reality to another. This is like day and night that belongs to a whole system, without which day would not exist and night would have no purpose. In the entire world, there is need of rest, which the dark provides and the seasons nourish. Without winter, nature is a desert land for which there is no renewal. Without spring, there would be no germinating crocuses bursting out of their shells. There would be no blossoming tulips. Imagine a world without summer, where nothing grew and there were no harvests. Autumn would be lonely if not for the certainty of the intimacy that winter offers. I love this metaphor, this idea that everything is connected. And to further my understanding, I draw on the intelligence of the diva of the seasons. I channeled this passage in my book. You have forgotten us, says the diva of the seasons. You, the man, the woman, the child, 
offended by our uneven temperament. You have forgotten how to communicate with us, how to tell us your stories. You have forgotten that the wind is ever-changing and dynamic and is a supportive element in your lives, that you long to be a part of, you long to dance in our arms and be one fluid motion. You had promised to ascend, to come to us willingly and rest in safety, not fight with our patterns and make war with nature. We are not your enemy, nor your resource to do with as you please. We are your arms, your body, your internal organs. We are the sun and moon. We are the seasons that pass, the inseparable momentum of renewal. Come, come to us as willing partners. Come to us unafraid, for if you falter, if you are pained or die to the other side of the veil of consciousness, you will not lose our love for you, nor will you lose your spirit, your eternal beingness. We welcome you over and over again, even if you're in resistance or whether you love us in turn. We hear your calling, the emergence of your prayers, and we pattern cycles of renewal to support you. We design pathways and manifested outcomes that best align with you to answer your prayers. You are never alone, always held in love. Let us love you. Let the spirit world of nature, Gaia, the seasons, help you and inspire you to live your dreams. Come, come to us. Let us invoke your splendid nature and soul purpose so that you will be fluid and perfectly aligned to the currents of change as though you are made from the currents of change, because, indeed, you are. I believe these channel messages are important because they are a reminder that we are indeed not alone. The earth plane, Gaia, serves as a support. And the synergy between, between us, between human beings, also serves as a support. There's so much information and guidance. If only it would be we would be open when we're not pulled between right and wrong. We are accessible. We have access to the multitude of dimensions of incredible support that's here for us. We are not alone. Spirit is with us, as is our in-depth, sensual human nature. Let's not shut it down. Let's experience it. Mm, yeah. Let me complete this episode with a, a channel message. I can feel Nassi and Dia here wanting to join us. I'll just take a moment to tune in. What? What is this here and now? Other than dimension of existence to truly, truly savor the experiencing. But these words will mean nothing to you. If your idea of savoring experience is only savoring what tastes good, what feels good, mm. there are so many displaced peoples in the world who are barely getting by. What can possibly feel good there? Very little. There's a lot of suffering. How can we possibly guide those that are suffering to savor their experience without seeming like we don't care? 
Because in the chaos, there are moments of connection that are very beautiful. Trauma can close off the body, close off the mind, close off the senses from those small and precious gifts. We would have all of you be open, open to the depths of experiencing, even if what you're experiencing is grief. We would have you be open to it. We can assure you, by being open to grief, you become like a riverbed. You become like the walls of the river, holding the flow of life, holding, holding with grace. There's no mistake. You are where you are, experiencing what you're experiencing in service to your soul. Call it back. All fragmented parts of you, call it back. If you're experiencing hardship, call in your soul. You do this through your breath. Do this by drinking water. Do this by welcoming the water, by being grateful for water. Do this by digging your fingers into the earth, bringing that earth to your to your sense of smell, smell the earth, touch the earth, feel the earth. Give gratitude for the earth. Because she, Gaia, is doing her best to secure you, to safeguard you, to give you what you need. So we ask you this in closing. What world do you choose to live in? A world where you are alone? A world where there's no hope. A world that is suffering. A world where you are powerless to change that. Or a world where you give grace. A world where you choose love. A world where you forgive. A world where you receive the beauty. We ask. Now you choose the world where you are closer to the divine in all things. And that world requires for you to choose love. The Body Soul Podcast is brought to you by Linda Nardelli. You can find out more about her book, Mystical Intimacy, on her website, lindanardelli.com and on Amazon. The podcast is her deepening exploration of the book's messages and the teachings of Masindia. Music for this episode is from the Purple Planet Collection, written and performed by Chris Martin and Jeff Harvey, and the podcast editing by Igor Masharyakov.